Over 86,000 seniors and 8,000 employees across seven organizations make up the Abmir family of companies. This podcast is dedicated to getting to know some of these incredible people. I'm your host, Thomas Cloutier. Welcome to the People of Abmir Pod. This month, we're celebrating Women's History Month, honoring the contributions and accomplishments of women. We're highlighting incredible women in history and within our company on Facebook. Follow Abmir Health Services on social media to learn more about these amazing women and their accomplishments. Today, we have the pleasure of getting to know Kathy Arness, a resident at Abmir at Cheyenne, an assisted living community in Las Vegas, Nevada, with Tegan Dean, our Director of Sales and Outreach. Through Kathy's active life, she served in the military, ran a casino, and today enjoys joining tours of our assisted living community to show potential new residents the exciting life at Abmir at Cheyenne. Welcome, Kathy. And welcome, Thomas. <laughs> Good to have you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my first question for you today is, why did you choose Abmir at Cheyenne as a place to live? Well, if you want the honest to God's truth, I never chose I never chose it. It came to me. I had a, I don't even know how you put this, and Tegan doesn't either, because we never met each other. Um, I was going through a bad time. I had a death in the family, and I was having a hard time making it by myself. And this person who, Tegan and I didn't even know them. He brought me down here, and he introduced me to her. And we hit it right off. We liked each other. And um, the the only bad part was money. I didn't have enough money to come in here. But she and the man that brought me down here helped me with that. Because I am a veteran. And um, they showed me how to get the money. Legally, that is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very good. And Tegan, you might as well introduce yourself. Yeah, Tegan, Director of Sales and Outreach at Avamir. And uh, and this is a true story. We we don't know who this guy was. We've never seen him again. I didn't know him. She didn't know him. I don't, I really don't know how that happened, but it was a miracle. And um, and I'm really grateful that she's found a home here with us. Absolutely. It was fate. It was fate that drove you to Avmir's front door. Well, thank you for sharing. Avmir at Cheyenne, you helped Tegan. Uh, she mentioned how you like to do tours and help with those considering moving in. So what do you enjoy most about that, about the tours? And also, um, what do you share with people on those tours that you give? When I came here and met Tegan, this was not Avmir. It was a uh, Brookdale. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know each other. And uh, right away, I was attracted to the friendliness of the place because that was most important to me. I had worked with people since forever. The people that come here, Tegan screens them really well and tries to get what's wrong with them and, and help them. Well, I use you all the time to help me with that. Well, all the time. He, she does choose me. That's yeah. I want to know who's a better closer. (laughs) Well, when I'm feeling like I can't get there, I I pull Kathy in every time. (laughs) The team effort. I say we need to put her on payroll. Yeah. (laughs) It's a possibility. We'll have to talk about that. I like the people, you know, she loves meeting the new people. 
I've always worked in hotels where people think that there's nothing going on, but they're probably sicker than those in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always done that. And when it came time for me to, what I needed was a place to move to. I had a house, I had to sell it because financially I couldn't keep it up. And um, I don't have much family, so I, I just didn't know what I was gonna do. And this man, evidently somebody must have told him about me because he knew that I was looking for a place to stay. So he knocked on the door and one thing I'm not, I'm not leery, I'm not afraid. I'm So I answered the door and he said, I hear you're looking for a place to stay. I almost fell out the door. And I said, yes, I am. He said, I think I have just the place for you. So he brought me down here to Tegan and we talked and I don't even think I was here two hours and I knew that this was where I wanted to be. I love the people here. I got to tell you that I do. I love them. If you don't mind me sharing, um, you did have an experience with COVID, correct? You had COVID-19 at one point. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Well, I thought I had the flu. I didn't think I had COVID. And obviously I did because Miss Wonderful here took a test <laughs> and it turned out I did have it. You did, you had I'm it. Glad they found out. Yeah. Well, I didn't believe it even after I found out. That's the bad part. I'm just stubborn. But I had it and I was fortunate enough not to get it as bad as some of the people that live here. I referred to you as a superhuman today because I said you were 91 years old and survived COVID and came out really without a hitch. It it, it was amazing yeah. to me to watch. Well, like I said, I thought I had the flu and yes, I am 91. Did I think I was going to be here at 91? I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> because I was in the military and I made it through that and a couple of not so good marriages and I had wonderful children and I love it here. I do. I like the people here. They're all, I don't think there's a bad person here. Well, it sounds and, like they took awfully good care of you. And I'm just so glad I met Tegan because she's helped me a lot. So yeah. now we're going to open up our own hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I wish, huh? And <laughs> I'll let fantastic. you stay for a few nights on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to join you at your new hotel. It sounds lovely. So well, it's going well, to let, let me ask you this question. So I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. So you just shared some about your life. So tell me, tell me three fun facts about yourself. I like to play bingo, which I haven't done in a hundred years, but I do play it here. And I wish I liked to exercise, but <laughs> I don't. I think we're extremely lucky, all of us that live here, that we have a roof over our head and plenty to eat. And everybody helps everybody else. It's not a stuffy, stuffy place at all. It's a fun place. So I, I told Thomas about a little bit about your background in Las Vegas because it's fascinating to me about the hotel industry and yeah, I'd love to hear about it. All the great things that you experienced here before coming to me. 
Well, I came here in uh, January of 1961, and I worked in four hotels. I had never worked in a hotel before. So my first shot was the Stardust, which is a huge was a huge hotel back then. It had a thousand rooms and not enough help, but it was also owned by a lot of unsavory characters, which made it even more interesting and fun. <laughs> I liked all that. And then after that, there was a little hotel across the street called the Thunderbird. And Joe Wells, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but his daughter was a movie star. Her name was Dawn Wells, and she worked in, uh, I'm trying to think what the name of the movie is. But And then after the, uh, Del Webb picked up most of these properties that um, Howard Hughes didn't. Uh, after that, I went to the Frontier Hotel, which was wonderful and a beautiful hotel. And why they tore it down, I will never know. And the Strip was one of the prettiest places I've ever seen. It's not as pretty now as it used to be. But I'm hoping someday before I die that the Strip goes back to what it was. It's not so crowded. It doesn't have the giant hotels that... Five and six thousand rooms, those, and there is absolutely, without a doubt, no entertainment here anymore. When the corporations bought the hotels, that was the end of the showrooms, the bands, all of the people that made this a great city. But that's all gone now, and I hope someday it all comes back because I married a musician. And there was always entertainment galore. And it was just great. It wasn't expensive. You couldn't even get a room on a weekend. It's not like that anymore. It's almost as if Las Vegas has hardened a little bit in order to make it and get along. But it's still a great place to live. You know who lived here and who ran this part of the country. They were just as good as you were, because if you didn't do anything to bother them, they didn't bother you. So I wasn't alive in this time, but Kathy really claims that the mob was really in Vegas. The mob was here. And almost every place, the Stardust was, it had a thousand rooms at that time. Now, this is 1951, and the mob owned the whole place. I didn't even know what mob meant. That's unbelievable. They just come out of the military. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, these guys are really rough and tough. But after I got to know them, I couldn't even believe they were bad guys because they weren't. <laughs> well, like you said, to stay out of their way, you're in good shape, right? Well, a little bit of an example of what a mob person would do was when I worked in the uh, Thunderbird Hotel, you, you had a bank, you know, that you had to count down when you're checking people in and checking people out. Well, one night my bank was short $100 and I started crying because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. And I had three little kids to support. So the, the pit boss came over and he said to me, what's the matter, Kath? What are you crying about? I said, I'm short $100 in my bank. And I said, I don't know what to do. He walks over to the crap table, took a $100 chip off there, tossed it up in the air and said, there you go, Kathy. Now, you still got your job. Are you happy? 
I said, oh, my God, thank you. That's the kind of things that made it so special here. Nothing was so important that those guys couldn't fix. And I mean that. But, you know, it's like everything else. You learn to live with what you got. And I knew a lot of these people in the mob and uh, never had a problem. It was just a great place to live. But everything went on as usual, and um, I met Tegan, and then (laughs) then everything didn't go. Everything's better when you meet Tegan. Yeah, everything's better. Well, let me ask you a question. Tell me a little bit about your family. I have a daughter. Um, I had two boys that were killed in accidents. I'm sorry to hear that. I have a daughter left, and it was a rough time. I'm not going to tell you I didn't have a rough time. I did. And my boys were 15 and 17, and both of them were in separate accidents. Neither were her fault. And so I ended up in a psychiatric uh, place. That was the most fun in my life. It was like that movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> uh, here I am, and I'll probably be here for the rest. But I'll go with her wherever she goes. She has to take me. <laughs> yeah, she does. So, uh, and what's your daughter's name? Is Michael Ann. And what does she do? She stays home and has fun with her dogs. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. But she's in her 60s, you know. She's not a kid anymore. She's always your kid, though, right? Well, once you have a child, life changes. <laughs> I, I'm living that myself. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old at home. Well, you so, can bring them over here and I'll take care of them. Hey, they're all yours. They're a handful, so you can watch them for a while. No, they're, I have two daughters. They're fantastic, but it's Listen, all, I, um, one always of, be mine, even at 60 years old, I'm sure. One of the jobs that I had after I got out of the hotels, I quit. I was 14 years as an executive director in a hotel. Well, after I left there, I went to work. I didn't have to go to work, but a girl called me. And she was married to a a guy in the Air Force who, he was an orthopedic surgeon. She's a radiologist. She needed somebody to take care of her little boy. And he was two years old. That was a job of a lifetime. (laughs) Oh, my God, did I love him. But they still live here. And (laughs) he's got a pretty good practice now. I bet. I bet. Well, that's I stayed with him for about four years, and then uh, he went back overseas, and um, I, I kept those two little boys, well, that's... Jake and Joey. So I could take care of your kids. I'm a good nanny. <laughs> I'm going to bring them. I'm telling you, don't tempt, don't tempt me with that. I'll bring them with me. Well, here they're, I am. They're fantastic, um, but you know, parenting it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a lot of work, um, but. My weekends, you know what? I it look forward to the weekends with them. It isn't a lot of work. It's just a lot of fun because you know that you're creating something that will last forever. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. You know what, Thomas? Kathy has uh, done more for me than I could ever do for her. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't TV. know if you know that I lost one of my children to an accident. And uh, that's we definitely have a a bond in that way. And on the tough days, I definitely know that if Kathy could get to this point, 
keep a pep in her step, find perspective, still manage to be happy that, that I can too. Yeah. But you have to work at it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't come overnight when you lose your child. That's an awful thing. It is. Well, but I'm, hey, 91. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have each other to lean on, right? Yeah, we lean on each other. We do. You and me. Too. Oh, we do. And You're doing great. You know what? She don't want me to tell you this, but she cries real easy. <laughs> and, and I tell me more really, about that. I can make her cry. <laughs> because when she told me I had COVID, I said, get out of here. I said, you, you must be dreaming or something. I said, look at me. She said, Kathy, I've seen the test. You do have COVID. I said, I don't believe that. And I said, I'm just going to look for another place to stay. But you know, I'm still here. <laughs> and I did have it. Yeah, well, I'm sure glad you recovered from it and, and everything's going better for you. So, well, you've clearly led an exciting life. So tell oh, me what... That's what, not the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so what accomplishment are you most proud of? That I joined the military, you know, I was in for three years and I was 20 years old and came from a small town in Pennsylvania and didn't know Jack from nothing. But you know what? I made a damn good sailor. <laughs> and what, what made you join? Because I lived in upstate New York and it was a really small town. And at this time, there weren't many good jobs. The money was really bad. And I was coming home from the movies one night. And you know those sound, those signs that the, they put to where a, whatever you want puts his hand out and says, the Navy wants you. I mm -hmm. thought, that's yeah. what I'll do. Of course, I didn't tell my mother. I did it. Oh, you I, didn't tell your mother. Uh-oh. So what uh, happened? My mother, my mother was furious, <laughs> but I did well, and I'm I'm happy I did that, and that helped me get in here. Yeah, it sure did. Later. That that uh, helped you. That, yeah, that's yeah. new. Tell Thomas about um the story about the depression and the shoes. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. When I was a little girl, I was maybe five or six years old, and I hadn't yet. Uh, I didn't know anything from anything, but oh my God, everybody was so poor. Not just me and my sister and mother, but everybody was poor. And I had um, a pair of shoes on and I was standing at the gate in the house where I lived. And I saw a little girl going up the street with nothing on her feet. Well, I didn't think anything of it. How would I know that, you know, Maybe I'd never have another pair of shoes. But I called her back and I gave her the shoes. And oh my God, she she thanked me so much. And when I went in the house, my mother said, Catherine, where's your shoes? I said, I gave them to that girl walking down the street. And she said, honey, we don't have any money for another pair of shoes. I said, don't worry, we'll find a way. And we did. And I've had a pair of shoes ever since. That story makes me cry. <laughs> well, it was that bad. What an incredible story. The, the depression was 20 times worse than what we're going through now, with one exception. I don't know how many people died back then, but I do now, and that's an awful lot of people. But back then, there was no food. We had food stamps. I know you've heard of that. Sure. Gas stamps, everything. 
everybody was poor, everybody. And we all shared. How wonderful is that? It is wonderful to hear. Isn't that, we can't even imagine, we can't even fathom that, right? No, and it certainly puts perspective on on how things are. And, you know, from my standpoint, this has certainly been a challenging year and in many different ways for my family, through people I know, but doesn't sound anything like what you went through. We think that we're bad off now. We have a roof over our head, at least temporarily, and food in our mouth. We didn't have that back then. Everybody, I lived in mainly a Polish and Slavish neighborhood. Everybody had a garden and everybody shared with everybody or we would never have made it, you know, and didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Today, that would never happen. It was needed, right? It was necessary and people working together. The depression was a terrible thing because we didn't know anything about depression per se. Now we have the TV that gives us all this news and everything, what's gonna happen today and tomorrow and that. We don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. But back then, that was the main thing that we had enough food to eat. Everybody shared. They they had to or we would have never made it. That well, everybody, everybody out there listen to this. Uh, we, maybe we all should share a little bit more, huh? Uh, make the world you a better have to place. Share, you just do. Yeah, I agree. Kind of for thy neighbor. Mm. Well, my last question for you, and I really appreciate you coming. Is here at Avmir, we consider our team members and our residents family. What does family mean to you? It's everything. When I lay down at night, I'm so glad that I have people that I love and that love me around me because I know I'm not going to be here forever. And I sure wouldn't want to be in a place where I didn't have some of the wonderful people that live here. They all care about each other. How important is that? And they do. They share clothes. They share food. They share everything. And when one of them goes where they're supposed to go, you feel it. And you feel it for a couple of days. It's it's tough. We definitely have our own family here, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. We definitely we do. do. If everybody around this building moved away, we would still be okay because we have each other. That and is fantastic. I think that's fantastic. I agree. I agree. Well, Kathy... Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure Thank getting to know you, Tegan. As a pleasure as always to see you, my friend. Likewise. Thank you, Kathy, for joining. Thank you for having me on your little screen here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the People of Admir Pod. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and follow Admir Health Services on Facebook to keep listening in. Mm-hmm.